This week on Rotten or Righteous, we compare How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the newer CGI animated uh, film starring Benedict Cumberbatch, against How the Grinch Stole Christmas starring Jim Carrey. We are not discussing the uh, old made-for-TV animated uh, classic because it is a classic. So we don't make that totally clear in the very beginning. We are talking about the newer animated CGI Grinch. So don't write us off because you think we're, we're slandering some of your childhood memories. Also, today on the Rotten or Righteous podcast, Luke comes to the realization... There's a, gr- there's a Grinch uh, book? Yeah, it was written by Dr. Seuss. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh. Okay. Welcome back, dear listeners, to Rotten or Righteous, the podcast that is number one on my personal lists of podcasts that I'm on and edit every week. That's what matters. With me today, as always, is the future president of Albania, Luke Taylor. I wonder if you have to be born in Albania to be the president like it is here. I think they're so desperate for tourism in Albania that, like, if you just flash them a U.S. passport, they'll give it to you. That could be very well the case. You get, like, three months of of presidential uh, (laughs) power. You need to be born in Albania. No one's ever Googled this. They give you a thatched roof house, three mules, and a goat. (laughs) And make you president for three months. If they'll throw in a quality dairy cow, I'll come. Now, speaking of uh, goats and livestock and beasts of burden, although it feels like it was a long time to us, to our listeners, it's only been a week since we instilled the doctrine of the divine donkey. Uh, and I feel like I angered the divine donkey somehow because in the past seven days i have been hit i did not hit but i have been hit by two separate deer and i feel like (laughs) deer are like the angels of the divine donkey like they're just his his workers that he sends out for for missions and he's smiting me and i don't know what i did to anger the divine donkey but if i could figure that out I would really appreciate it because uh, my deductible is ridiculous for as far <laughs> as insurance is concerned, and I don't have money. So, how badly did you hit these uh, divine again antelope angels? I did not. I did not hit them. They hit me. So, were you parked? I was driving on the road, and then all of a sudden, something just sideswipes me. <laughs> both times both times in two different vehicles 
did how badly did they uh now, oh, in, both vehicles <laughs> now in my truck i don't know a hundred percent that it was a deer it could very well have been a large brown dog or a fox or some sort of large animal. I'm just assuming it was a deer because I was driving down the freeway in between uh, or, or just north of, of Cambridge. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm heading towards Thanksgiving. Out of the corner of my eye, I just see this brown streak just fly across the median and just thump right into the side of my truck. <laughs> now I I got I, I inspected the damage there's very little damage so much so that I'm just going to live with it there's like a tiny little like baseball sized dent whatever uh, creature this was where the skull collided with the side of my truck that was all the damage there was and it's very small on the bottom of the side skirt now my spark on the other hand got hit by one of the biggest bucks I have ever seen in my life and how do you explain this to the insurance company? Like, I, I how did, do they know you're not? You here's didn't the, just like your wife didn't get mad at you and be, destroy the car. Here's the thing about the spark. I didn't. I have not filed a claim with the insurance company for either of these vehicles yet. Um, with the spark, I went online to look up how much like a, a new hood costs and a new bumper and a new uh, driver's side front paneling. How much all this costs? Apparently, the spark is made out of uh, Legos or Tonka blocks because for $300, I can replace every single piece of metal on that car that was hurt by this deer. <laughs> that is significantly smaller than my deductible, so I'm going to go that route. I knew this was going to happen because the spark was the very first car I bought myself, like from a dealership, six years ago. My credit was terrible. Had to sign a six-year lease. This car was going to be paid off free and clear in April. Ooh, that's always how it is. So, it makes sense. It, it, I was, divine donkey. The, the divine donkey is not a benevolent, a benevolent false deity that we've made up and are no way endorsing <laughs> idolatry. It's all a joke. I hope people understand that. But if he could stop sending his minions uh, to attack my vehicles, I would I would greatly appreciate it. You better use smaller minions like badgers and chipmunks. I, I think both cars can handle those pretty well. He's a vengeful deity. You know, it's probably because you insulted the one movie that highlights his place mm, in right. the Bible story. Because I did that not could have something to do with it. I didn't realize that we watched a uh, Balaam movie, but. If we do, yeah. then I will uh, make sure I give it a high rating. <laughs> um, so did you at least kill the deer? Did you get the deer? Here's the thing, man. The buck was huge. And <laughs> I saw its I saw its rack. I didn't get to count how many points it was or anything because it happened so fast. And, and really, I saw it, again, out of the corner of my eye. And I was like, this thing's big. It's going to be bad. I just closed my eyes and hit the brakes and hoped for the best. I mean, there was no swerving... I was like, "There's this is unavoidable. I'm just going to close my eyes and hope for the best. And I and did. so after he took it, off your bumper and your side panel and so, all the others, he just got up and was like, all right, see like, ya. Here's the thing. He, deer blood has a very distinct smell. If you're a hunter, you know that. That, that you can smell a deer blood from far away. There's a very distinct smell about it. 
And uh, when I rolled down my window to fix my rear view mirror, uh, or side view mirror, that was that was bent all the way back in the collision, <laughs> I smelled the blood. In the ditch, I heard it, like, scuffling around. And so I was like, I probably killed this thing. And so I called it, or I messaged another member of mine uh, who's a, a constable down here. And I said, what's Kentucky's law as far as deer are concerned? Like, if I just run down here with a saw and take off these antlers, is anybody going to say anything? Is it illegal? And he goes, yeah, you do whatever you want. We don't care. And so... That's uh, <laughs> Kentucky. I was, I was looking for my saw, and I couldn't find it. And so I was like, it's too dark anyways, because it happened like 10 o'clock at night. So I was like, it's too dark anyways. I'll just wait until the morning. And uh, I got up this morning about 7.30 and went to go look for the deer. And it wasn't there. So either it ran off to die, it wasn't hurt enough, like maybe I gave it a bloody nose or something, and that's what I was smelling, and that's what was down the side of my spark, or it uh, and it lived, or more, more probable, uh, some other redneck hillbilly like myself was looked at that and man that's a big rack and just jumped out and grabbed it and popped it in their truck that seems highly likely although being a servant of the divine donkey i expect that there might have been a healing involved i mean it's it's totally possible and that leads me to my second order of business that i needed to discuss because i'm so very concerned about it and that is the fact that my son for some reason has started to call me michael diaz today <laughs> <laughs> that could also be <laughs> maybe the, like, like the just, Michael Diaz. Is that he, a famous person? No, it's not. I looked it up. The only thing I could find, the top result for Michael Diaz is some plastic surgeon from Mississippi. Oh, yeah. It's In so, Melbourne. It's so like, we were going to go get some lunch today. We ordered a Pizza Hut pizza, and... um their sponsor this week. That's why I said it like that. And um, he's like, Daddy, you're Michael Diaz. <laughs> and I said, what? He goes, you're Michael Diaz. I said, no, I'm Daddy. No, no, you're Michael Diaz. And he just has not stopped calling me Michael Diaz since, and he will not tell me where he got it from. <laughs> Slightly concerning. <laughs> Did you really not know that the How the Grinch Stole Christmas was a book? I mean, I suppose I did, because I knew it was Dr. Seuss, but, like, it's just always been the movie. It's just always been the old animated movie to me. Well, I do not know if I am going to, if I'm committing copyright infringement right now, but I think because we don't make any money on this, it's fair use. I found the PDF of the Grinch's book, and it's not that long. I think we should just start here. And uh, I don't think I ever actually introduced us. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Luke who lived just north of Whoville did not. Uh, Luke Taylor's here. And um, as for me, well, then I slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room and took every present pop guns and bicycles roller skates drums checkered boards tricycles popcorn and plums i'm zach geiler you slithered 
Nah, I, I can't recall you slithering around, slithering and slunking around West Virginia school preaching. I feel like slunk is is about the right name for my body movements these days. Slunk, slunk definition to move smoothly and quietly with gliding steps in a stealthy or sensuous manner. Yeah, I'm definitely sensuous. Um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be... We're, I don't even think we're going to spend that much time on The Grinch, dear listeners. We watched the animated one. I'll tell you right now, it's not as good as the as the or Jim Carrey version, but I think you're in agreement with that as well. Yeah, everyone who um, is a reasonable, rational human being would be in agreement with that. But we'll get into a little bit why here in just a minute. But sit back and listen to the dulcet tones of my voice as I read to you Dr. Seuss's 1957 classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was now busy hanging a mistletoe wreath. They're hanging their stockings, he said with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the who girls and boys would wake up early They'd rush for their toys, and then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, noise, noise. And that's one thing he hated, the noise, 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 noise. And the Who's young and old would sit down to a feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would feast on Who pudding and rare Who roast beast, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand the least. And then they do something he liked least of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand and the who's would start singing. And they'd sing and they'd sing and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat and he chuckled and clucked, what a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I look just like Saint Nick. All I need is a reindeer. The Grinch looked around, but since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. That stopped the old Grinch. No, the Grinch simply said, if I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max. Then he took some red thread and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, get up. 
and the sleigh started down toward the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. All their windows were dark, quiet, snow filled the air, and all the Who's were dreaming sweet dreams without care. When he came to the first little house on the square, This is stop number one, the old Grinchy Claws hissed. Then he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chimney, a rather tight pinch. But if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once, for a moment or two. Then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue, where the little Who's stockings all hung in a row. These stockings, he grinned, are the first thing to go. Then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room and he took every present, pop guns and bicycles, roller skate drums, checkerboard tricycles, popcorn and plums, and he stuffed them in bags. Then the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all of the bags one by one up the chimney. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's feast. He took the Who pudding. He took the roast beast. He cleaned out that icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took the last can of Who hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree and he started to shove. When he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove, he turned around fast and he saw a small Who, little Cindy Lou Who who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny Who daughter, who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know, that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. He thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there, and I'll bring it back here. And as Fib fooled the child, then he patted her head, and he got her a drink, and he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went up to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. The last thing he took was the log for their fire. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar. On the walls he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Then he did the same thing to the other whose houses, leaving crumbs much too small for the other whose mouses. It was a quarter past dawn, all the who's still abed, and all the who's still a snooze. When he packed up his sled, packed it up with their presents, the ribbons, the wrappings, the tags, and the tinsels, the trimmings, the trappings. Three thousand feet up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Boo-hoo to the who! He was grinchishly humming. They're feeling out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two, and then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. He did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville, the Grinch popped his eyes, then he shook, what he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without presents, any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming, it came, somehow or other it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so?
It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day, and the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast, and he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. The end. Nom, 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 nom. So it's a cute short story. <laughs> And yet, somehow, we have two feature-length movies from that. Alright, let's start with the animated Grinch. Okay. Wait, the old one or the new one? No, the old one we're not going to touch, because it basically is the story. It's perfect. I don't have any problem with the animated Grinch. I think it was done... It was just the book come to life. And a little bit slower with some animations. But, uh, yeah, let's start with the newer, I think it's like 2015, 16, 17, something like that. Animated Grinch. The one starring Benedict Cumberbund. Or Benediction Cum- Cumber Cumberlatch. Doctor Strange. The one starring Doctor Strange. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> but, but you watched it three times? No, I I watched it three times in the sense that I was in the room as it was playing. Oh, okay. Uh, what didn't you like about it? Well, first of all, from the very beginning, I didn't think the Grinch was... Well, the Grinch... You know, when you when you I... picture the Grinch, you picture someone who is heartless, someone who is mean, who is hateful to everyone. But throughout the the animated movie, the Grinch shows empathy towards Max and towards uh, he gets a really obese reindeer, and he tells Max how much he or the dog means to him, and he lets the reindeer sleep in his bed, and he's just not the Grinch. He's just a lonely guy with a false view that the world's out to get him when in reality everyone is nothing but kind to him throughout the entire film prior to him stealing Christmas he every attempt he he has to try to ruin Christmas actually makes Christmas better for those in Whoville through some slapstick and uh fortuitous events and you can't have the Grinch can't be empathetic because if he's empathetic in the beginning of the movie, when he actually changes and his heart grows, there's no point. I felt the same way. I uh, it was like it was like the Grinch, kind of the old story, but just sadder because there was just like this depressed guy up in the mountain. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like you were saying, I mean, like he shows all this emotion throughout the 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 movie, even in the beginning, and it's like you. The reason the Grinch is so loved is just because he's so evil and hateful and like that that just kind of makes the story. I mean, that's absolutely what makes Jim Carrey's Grinch because he just well, comes down like completely heartless and 
his heart supposed to be too small so it's not necessarily his fault right it's a retelling and, of a christmas carol by dickens right if scrooge at the beginning of a christmas carol you know bob cratchit comes in he's like Excuse me, sir, can I have Christmas Day off so my paralytic son can see his dad one more time before he dies? And Scrooge is like, bah humbug, no. I'm going to take three shillings off your pay. But if, <laughs> you know, he's a despicable, terrible person who changes. And so in the end, you feel good because you see this character arc. If, if Scrooge in A Christmas Carol at the beginning, you know, Bob Cratchit comes in, asks for a day's off, and he's like... Oh, I suppose so. I only have work to live for because my wife died. But I'll give you a Christmas bonus and health insurance to help Tiny Tim. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> does that guy really deserve to be haunted by ghosts? <laughs> yeah, and it's like you, you kind of love to hate the Grinch just because he's so heartless. And that's you, what makes him funny. You need to and, hate uh, the Grinch in order for his change at the end to have any impact. Benedict Cumberbatch didn't change, or his Grinch did not change. The only difference was he be- went from being a misunderstood but empathetic and sympathetic character who was a loner and antisocial to a misunderstood, empathetic, and sympathetic character who now has people around him. There, there was no character growth. I kind of feel like what they were trying to do with this is like introduce kids to like the reasons behind like real world problems and the reasons behind why people are the way that they are. You kind of see like the dynamics with like Cindy Lou who she's like, you know, this child of a single mother working hard. And it's like, these are the realities that kids grow up in. And then the Grinch, like why are people mean? Well, a lot of times it's because something in their past damaged them. Well, or, yeah. Then, you know, the, but it's like, that's not, that's not why I go watch a Christmas movie. Well, the backstory, <laughs> that's not the Grinch. Like if you want to write that story, write it and, and make a movie, but don't like shove it into the Grinch narrative. All right. Let's compare the backstories of what made the Grinch, the Grinch from the two movies because they both add something that the book didn't have in the animated Grinch you have an orphan he's an orphan he grows up without parents and he's neglected and he never gets Christmas so you understand why he hates Christmas right but in Mm -hmm. Jim Carrey's live action Grinch he is born to two elderly ladies because the stork drops him on there he is loved and pampered and given all the Christmas benefits, and he just intrinsically hates Christmas. There's no real reason behind it. He's just has some sort of psychopathy towards Christmas. His and then heart- they tie it in with like the you know the bully at school and it's like you love to hate the guy who the Grinch hates, so you're like with him in his hatred of but him. even and that kind of tails into then, his hatred of Christmas. I I agree with you in, in a sense that, yeah, the bully was the final straw that sent the Grinch up to living in seclusion up the top of Mount Crumpet, but the Grinch had Martha May Huvier, the, the prettiest girl in school there, like, crushing on him hard. And... Even then, you're like, okay, ignore the chubby future mayor of Whoville. Who cares about that? You got Martha May Huvier over there. <laughs> All right, just focus on the good. But instead of focusing on the good, he focuses on the bad because he is evil. He was born yes. evil. 
and I think that's the difference. Uh, the animated movie, circumstances and experiences turned him into the Grinch. In Jim Carrey's movie, circumstances and experiences turned him into a kind, loving person. Yeah, I think that's well said. Because it's like when you said he just focuses on all the bad stuff. But in the in the animated Grinch, like his life is legitimately bad. Yeah. <laughs> so you just sit there and you feel bad about it. <laughs> You're like, oh man, this is sad. I mean, he like, wasn't, now he I wasn't feel really... Bad the Grinch. And every time he comes down to town, which he does a lot in the animated movie... They're nothing but kind to him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's like, "Ah, oh, the Grinch, run away!" In the in Jim Carrey's version, people were afraid of him. They would, you know, cross the street, and, and just yeah, I just didn't like this animated one because you can't have a sympathetic Grinch from the beginning. It does not work unless you hate the Grinch at the beginning, and then. Learn the lesson that people can change, and that you can be, and that you can be a forgiving person towards people who harm you, and that the true holiday spirit, or of any holiday, it doesn't have to be Christmas, comes from, uh, comes from spending time with people you love and and just cherishing a moment of peace in this world that's always going. You just take a moment. Uh, to yourself and to your family, and you just kind of shut out the world for a day. I feel like the story lighting or st- story writing on this was like kind of lazy too. I mean, they they spend all this time filling in, you know, because the books you just read the book, so they got to have all this filler information. So they come up with like this chubby reindeer idea, which was cute, and everyone loves the chubby reindeer, but it kind of like turns into nothing. And then they yeah. just go back to the original story. The reindeer goes to his family. <laughs> it's like, okay, we spent all that time pretending to uh, be Santa Claus chasing down these reindeer. And it's like, it they just revert back to the old yeah, classic it, way of doing it with Max. And then the kids spend all this time like coming up with ways to trap Santa. And I mean, only about five minutes of it is actually relevant. Yeah, and just, and I think you're right too. Uh, and, and that's something that the live-action version gets right. Yes, they had to pad the runtime, obviously, and they had that big, long, you know, uh, scene of, of the Grinch being the holiday cheer miser or meister or whatever it was, eating all the puddings and getting a sweater by the old ladies. It was a fun time. It was all great. It ends with him shaving the, the mayor's head and, uh, you know. But it, it doesn't take away from the story it was a funny uh sidetrack you know scene without adding to the story if anything it solidified the Grinch's hatred of Christmas even more because again instead of focusing on all the good like the sweater and the presents and everybody wanting to feed him Christmas pudding the only thing he focused on was the bully mayor again you you He's consistently turning a blind eye to to the good to focus on the bad. And uh, it builds the story instead of, well, here's this fat character so we can, or fat reindeer so we can sell fat reindeer toys and we can forget about him (laughs) uh, for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it was cohesive in Jim Carrey's. And, like, that's all I'm asking for. I didn't feel like it was very cohesive in this one. It's like, what does this Grinch add to the Grinch franchise? I don't Nothing. feel like it really does anything. It's just like a, 
and I don't know if they made it knowing that it like wasn't going to be some kind of cl- Christmas classic, but it's. I mean, the soundtrack is bad. I think they the, were trying uh, to be too safe too. One thing I appreciate more as an adult going back and watching Jim Carrey's Grinch is some of the jokes that are thrown in there uh, that went over my head as a kid. Like the night the the Grinch was delivered to the old lady's houses or house they were having a key party it's messed up but it you know i'd probably be hateful too if i was delivered uh the night my parents decided to have a swingers party uh that's true <laughs> uh you know there's yeah i mean and that's what i said we didn't have much to talk about as far as the grinch is concerned everyone knows the story so we don't need to summarize it and if you're looking for a grinch to watch i would pick Jim Carrey's Grinch, nine times out of ten. I had such high expectations, too, and they were just uh, tragically let down. Well, it wasn't even a funny... It wasn't consistently funny. The jokes didn't land. Benedict Cumberbatch has a terrible American accent. (laughs) And no matter what he does... I mean, the only good thing that Benedict has for him is that he is weirdly handsome if you're into, like aquatic mammals he looks like an otter but (laughs) but you take why would you take away his only good aspect his looks and focus on what is probably his weakest tool as an actor his american accent and just be like okay we're gonna take everything good away from you benedict just keep your terribleness and that's all we're gonna use hello there cowboy (laughs) I'm the Grinch. I am American. 100%. Born in Austin, y'all. What are you doing, Benedict? That's terrible. Stop it. It's just not good. They should have uh, done like a British Grinch. Like Why couldn't uh, some kind of a spinoff. It would have been better. I mean, he's the voice of Smaug from the uh, Hobbit movies. Like, he could play evil, deep British. Why would you not... Play the Grinch that way. That would have been cool. The smog is kind of the Grinch, just dragon Middle Earth. There is also a, a theological problem posed in the animated movie that I don't think they really? meant, <laughs> that I don't think they meant to pose. Now, who's canonically in Doctor Seuss's universe live on a speck of dust? They're a People who live on a speck of dust. We see that in Dr. Seuss's book, Horton Here's a Who, where he protects a speck of dust on a clover flower from a bunch of people uh, who can't hear the Who's because they don't have giant elephant ears. So the Who's are tiny microscopic beings, sentient microscopic beings. Now, let's pretend that the Who people, uh, the, the Homo Hoospians, if you will, were a legitimate genus in the kingdom of Animalia. One of the songs in the animated Grinch was God rest ye merry gentlemen. I don't know the word. Something about dismay. For Christ your Lord and Savior was born on Christmas Day. Are we talking about a who, Messiah? Or did Jesus' sacrifice save also the Who's? Because you can't argue that the Who's don't have a sense of morality. 
They don't, or they clearly have free agency. They can choose between right and wrong. Maybe they, maybe they, uh, maybe they can't, because maybe the Grinch. He was like totally depraved, right? Because his heart was too small. Is that how that works? Yes. And the Who's are just like their hearts are just full of you know joy and cheer all the time. So they must be part of the elect. And then the uh, the Grinch, you know, and his heart is changed by the divine donkey. That's that's uh, regeneration. That's the new birth. So we're Calvinists. They're Calvinists. So, so you're saying that the the who's are the manifestation of a world where John Calvin, in his perverted doctrine, was true? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's where John got it right. Right. Whatever <laughs> else he got it wrong. But but even then, it would maybe John Calvin was a who. But it goes against Calvinism because. The Grinch chain, or are you saying that the Grinch got his calling? That his, yeah, he was he was his, he was the elect. That was the for, moment the spirit regenerated him. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, which I imagine is <laughs> a lot of people, let me uh, look up just because I don't even remember. <laughs> okay, so listen, when Luke and I went to preaching school, the curriculum for some reason really hammered in Calvinism, pretty much more than any other false religion. And we had to memorize the TULIP Doctrine, which is stands for Total Depravity, Unconditional Election, Limited Atonement, Irresistible Grace, and Perseverance of the Saints. Essentially what John Calvin believed was that uh, human beings are completely and thoroughly awful and like every part of them is sinful and they can't save themselves so god must save people which is why god sent his son now this is where it gets different than what most other denominations believe because most other denominations whether you're from the true church or even outside the church believe that that there's a action that a person must take in order to find salvation whether that's the sinner's prayer which it's not biblical, but it's an action that you take. John Calvin thinks that because human beings are totally depraved, that the only way someone can come to God is if they are elected, or God chooses them to become saved. Meaning that we're all doomed to hell except for the people that God cherry-picks for no particular reason. And those people are saved. Now, if you are among the saved, then you receive irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints, meaning you can't do anything to unsave yourself, and you cannot lose your salvation if God handpicked you. So really what John Calvin did was say, hey, let's create a religion where you can't save yourself. You can't force God or... or Accept God's invitation for salvation. If you're not picked, you're just screwed no matter what. But if you are picked, great. You could do whatever you want for the rest of your life because you're solid. Why would you go, first of all, why would you go to a church like that? What, what's the point? What's the purpose? And I actually messaged Karm.com is the leading Calvinist site now. 
I messaged the person that runs Carb. Freaking Matt Slick. Okay, so yes, I, I messaged Matt Slick, and I pretended to be... I think I told this story in the podcast before, but so few of you actually listen to him. We'll tell it again. Uh, I, I pretended to be someone who was truly concerned for their salvation, and I, and I messaged Matt, and I said, Look, man, I, you know, I don't know if I've got uh, my election... You know, I, I don't know if I had my spiritual moment where I know God chose me. And I was wondering, how, do, how, how can I tell whether or not I'm saved? Matt Slick responded something along the lines of, your calling was asking that question. Because you are concerned with your salvation, that shows that you are one of the elect. And I was like, oh, great, I'm saved. So what do I do now? And he goes, well, you need to start attending services here, 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 and here, and blah, 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 blah. And he gave me all this Calvinist crap. And uh, and I was like, well, why do I need to do that? Because you just said I was elected, and you also said that I can't lose my salvation, so why do I need to go to church and do all this other stuff? And he uh, didn't message me back, because I don't think that he had an answer to that question. Because I was like, yeah, you know, it's if, weird. If, if I'm elected, then I could just go run a brothel, you know? Move well, on. so they would they would argue that if you were genuinely elected, then your heart would be regenerated, and therefore you would want to serve God. Yeah, so I you know wouldn't that's run the a brothel. Irresistible grace aspect of it, which is dumb. It's it goes along with the Mormon belief that if you don't believe in the Book of Mormon, it's because you don't have enough faith, and so you need to reread the Book of Mormon until you believe the Book of Mormon. <laughs> Any precise. Any religion that says that the reason that any religion that says that you will magically change in order if you find salvation you'll magically change or if you want to find salvation you just reread their pamphlet until you become brainwashed and they don't have any real evidence or reasons behind what they teach it's it's hogwash. That's the one good thing about the Lord's Church is if somebody says, why do you believe? I don't say, because. Why don't you believe? You know? I have to have a reason. Why, why am I devoting my life to this? So we go to apologetics and Christian evidences and give people reasons. Why do you guys do Lord's Supper every Sunday? Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians and study. Why don't we look at the, the history of the early church and see how the first century Christians did it? Why do you guys believe baptism for salvation? Well, here's these verses right here, and, and so on and so forth. There's answers for everything. When the Bible talks about faith, the, words per, the world has changed the, the definition of faith throughout the years until it means a leap like you're jumping into the shadows and you just hope that there's solid ground wherever you land that's not what the bible is talking about when it talks about faith faith is as we're told in the scriptures the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things believed meaning when you have all of the proof laid out in front of you faith is the logical next step you have all these reasons to believe in god the next step is to act upon that that evidence. That's true biblical faith grounded in evidence. And that is the most theological I've ever gotten on this show, and I'm tired of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, where did that come from? Oh, it's because, oh, the who's. And yeah, the, the who's you said was uh, 
uh, manifestation of John Calvin's doctrine uh, played out on a speck of dust. I think that's the way it is. I mean, because like all the Who's are clearly regenerate, and uh, the Grinch is not. <laughs> but if there were aliens, right? So this is like the the I suppose the the reasonable extension of that. All discussion. right, let's let's get into this. Yeah. If <laughs> if there's aliens on Mars or something, um, do they need a different savior than Jesus? That's a, that's a great question. Now let's we got to start at the beginning then, of of that topic. Do you believe <laughs> what is the beginning of aliens? Yeah, we have to ask the question: Is there extraterrestrial life, like sentient life, or actually uh, like uh, like humanly sentient life, or just like life in general? Is somewhere in the unfathomable expanse of the universe, is there a group of sentient beings with free agency out there? Meaning they aren't acting just on intuition or on... You know, um, what word am I thinking of? Uh, they're not acting on instinct. That's the word. Thanks for your help. Appreciate it. Uh, they're not acting on instinct, but they're acting truth truly because they have the ability to choose. Well, I mean, you have the angels, which exist in some realm, not necessarily our own. Okay, no, I'm not talking um, about I'm not talking about heavenly beings. Did God create right. another species of sentient free moral agents in this universe? Uh I suppose he could have. No, nah, I don't I'm not asking closed off to the possibility. Okay. See, I'm not asking I'm not a, of course God could. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. I'm asking do you Luke Taylor believe that somewhere in the universe these beings exist in your heart of hearts. Not, I suppose, but gun to your head. No. Do they exist? No, I, I do not currently uh, believe there are, there's another colony of free agency sentient living things somewhere in the universe. You see, I, I right now I'm leaning towards there probably is. <laughs> Why? <laughs> The universe is massive. Yeah. I mean, it's bigger than anything we can imagine, and it's constantly growing bigger. There's just so much space and so much stuff up there, even stuff that we haven't discovered yet or looked at, and there's things that we'll never discover or look at. It just... It would not surprise me to find, when I get to heaven, that God has created other people, other worlds that are similar to ours, that are different to ours, that, you know, I'm not saying he's running experiments, but who's to say that there's not an Earth 2 somewhere out there where they never ate of the forbidden fruit? Who's to say that there isn't some world out there where God didn't flood the earth and he just kind of let it run. 
Who's to say that, you know, there aren't different people out there experiencing different things? Well, so would you say that... So if they're like... If they do have free will, then you would think that they would struggle with the same things that we struggle with. Sure. Although they could be like entirely different beings with different desires. Well, let me ask you... But like... This thought popped into my head. What if Adam and Eve chopped down the fruit of knowledge of good and evil? What if they made that choice, <laughs> saying God doesn't want to touch it, touch or us to touch it? Let's just remove the temptation completely. Pretty sure this was like before the Bronze Age. God's like no, no axes for you. Well. I'm pretty sure they were vegetarians before the flood. So maybe Adam just gnawed at, at it like a beaver. <laughs> he got his beaver friends together and was like, chew this tree down. Yeah, he could he could communicate with the creatures. It was like Narnia. He went up, he's like, Mr. Beaver. And they're like, oh, hello there, Adam. He's like, hey, I got you a snack. Oh, no, sir, I don't want to eat of that tree. It's going to turn my people evil. I know, but eh, we're higher higher up. We're God's crowning achievement here. So get to gnaw in there, beef. And the beavers are cursed forever, but humanity gets to live in the garden. Uh, if that had happened, let's see. Can you gnaw down God's tree? I don't know that that's possible. Well, I assume that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a tree. Like in the sense I'm of sure any other tree. I'm sure there would have been something else come along that people would have disobeyed God on. Well, if let me ask you that question then. If Adam and Eve chose to chop down the tree of knowledge of good and evil, eliminated the temptation, did they also eliminate free will for their offspring? Because you can't have free will without the ability to make a negative choice. Well, that leads me to think that that, um, I mean, if God creates a world that he wants free will to exist in, then he probably would have preserved that. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say the tree was uncut downable. That, uh, because the whole design behind God's world was to give people free will so that they could actually love him. Because otherwise they wouldn't be able to. Yeah, you can't there love. Be no real relationship. Love can't exist without a choice for love to not exist. I don't know. I just it it just it wouldn't be shocking to me. God tells us this is why it wouldn't matter if we found other life out there because God doesn't say that there is no other life out there in His Word, and two, God doesn't tell us a lot of things like. Uh, Cain and Abel were making sacrifices to God. Well, where, where where's the, the rules to their sacrifices? Clearly, they were given rules. They knew that they needed to sacrifice to God, but that wasn't privy to the, the biblical narrative, and so we're not told that. The same with Job sacrificing to God. I, I just, you know, I don't think we'll ever meet. I don't think we'll ever cross paths. I think that if we get to heaven and we find out there's alien life or extraterrestrial life out there, it will just be like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go talk to Peter for a little bit. We're going to play some cornhole with Abraham and 
ask him, hey, man, why'd you lie about your wife being your sister twice? Like, would they have to struggle? If there were if there were extraterrestrial people that had free will, would they have to have the same sin problem as um, humans? I don't think they have to, because throughout the Bible, we're given the idea that the sinful world was never God's intention. I mean, we're told right before the flood that God repented. Not that God had sin, but he, the world just went so far the opposite way of what he desired that he needed to wipe the slate clean. I don't think it was ever God's intention to create a sinful world, but again, he had to had to give that choice in order for it to in order for him to be loved by people, which is what God ultimately wants is a relationship with his creation. I, I think that you know if Adam and Eve didn't sin, who's to say that you know Seth wouldn't have came along and ate? of the tree later on. Who's who's to say that Adam and Eve, they were meant to live forever. God has set eternity on man's heart, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, meaning we know that we were meant to live longer, which is why death is so hard for us to accept. Uh, who's to say that Adam and Eve just wouldn't live perpetually in a relationship with God? And that would have been the end of humanity. There wouldn't have been a reason for procreation. Because Genesis says the plants, the animals, all will reproduce after their kind, right? But Mm -hmm. that command's not given to man. We don't even... We're not even told that procreation can happen between Adam and Eve until after the downfall where God curses Eve with pain and childbirth. So you think he just wanted to hang out with Adam and Eve forever? I mean, Adam was literally God's ideal human. Next topic on this experimental episode of Down the Rabbit Hole with Zach and Luke. How did we go from COVID-19 Delta variant (laughs) to COVID-19 Omicron variant? Where, what happened? Well, they went to Lambda. There, there was a, there was a potential I, I don't remember. I don't remember somewhere. Lambda. All I know is hearing about Delta, and I'm hearing about Omicron. What happened to Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Yoda, Kappa, Lambda, Mu, Nu, Xi? What happened uh, to those variants? I don't know. I mean, yeah, there was a Lambda tossed around, but apparently it never materialized, so I don't know how they got to that. Man, don't you hate it when order. you think that you're going to get yourself some delicious Lambda dinner? And it's tossed around, but it just never materializes. That's <laughs> true. I get that shawarma. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're they're maybe like just trying to come up with the most terrifying names that they can to keep everybody in terrible fear of the. And they're like, uh, you know, Omnicron. That sounds like almost like a transformer. <laughs> sounds almost terrifying. So we'll now, go with if that. They were they're really saving. If like they the were Omega. really trying to scare people. They would have, you know, gone with Moo. <laughs> the Here, here's the moo variant yeah they can't use that they're like they're slowly building until they get to Z- omega variant and everyone dies all right let's, Zeta. that's next okay so what's the most intimidating greek letter alpha beta gamma delta epsilon 
Zeta, Eta, Theta, Yoda, Kappa, Lambda, Mu, Nu, Xi, Omicron, P, Rho, Sigma, Tau, Upsilon, Phi, Keep, C, Omega. Most intimidating Greek letter. I think it's got to be Omega. Like the Omega Code, that great uh, movie that we watched. Yeah, no, that movie ruined Omega for me. Because now I think Omega is pixelated and contrived. Epsilon's pretty scary sounding. I don't know. Right now I'm leaning towards Zeta or Theta. I don't know. There's something about just the short bluntness of it. And Z's, you know, I know it's weird. My name's Zach, but Z's always like a mysterious letter. Because it's sleep. The Zeta variant. Right. How how did they get on the... um Greek letters anyway. I don't know. What's wrong What's wrong with good old Latin letters? I don't. And while we're at it, why don't, why doesn't America switch to the metric system? It makes more sense. I'm so not going to be excited about going to the metric system. When why? It's so easy. I'm not going to know how to do anything. Everything is just multiples of 100. It's so easy. Yeah, but you know, Celsius is yeah, just like but even then, Celsius. No, but Celsius is even easier than Fahrenheit because water boils <laughs> at 100 degrees Celsius and it freezes at zero degrees Celsius. It's the easiest thing think. in the whole world. <laughs> uh, what water boils at makes more sense. 256 and freezes at 32. Yep, <laughs> makes perfect sense. Just because. How many? How many feet are in a mile? Tell me right now how many feet are in a mile. 5,600 and something. I know. You remembered that one quote from Remember the Titans, and that's all that you remember of it. <laughs> that's not where I remember it from. <laughs> I don't know where I remember that's that That's all I remember from Remember the Titans is he picks up the ball and goes over to the, the kid, and he's like, you pick up this ball. He fumbled the ball in practice. He's like, you pick up this ball and you carry it 5,600 and blah, blah, blah feet. You you run and you hold that ball every every foot of it because it's a mile. Uh, but uh, how many kilom- how, how many meters are in a kilometer? A thousand. And then how many centimeters are in a meter? A hundred. Centimeters in a meter. Wow. This makes kind of makes some sense. How many millimeters are in a centimeter? Ten. Cinta, ten. How do we get on our system then? <laughs> Blame the English. Because we're Americans, that's why. Do things our own way. Now, there was a time in America's history where we were going to switch to the metric system, like it passed Congress and it was going through the Senate and everything before it finally died. But everyone was so certain that we were going to switch over to the metric that there are some places, like in Lexington, Kentucky, where you can see meters up on the, the road signs next to the miles. (laughs) <laughs> can you imagine though like the infrastructure cost that that would be for not only like the roads i mean everything would have to change yeah all but, our labels i mean but even our, our cars are equipped to tell us kilometer per hour yeah that is weird i should start looking at that i mean it's not gonna be that hard it's just gonna take a little bit just know that a kilometer is much shorter than a mile, and you'll be fine. I watched Rudolph the other day, because, again, four-year-old. For the first time, I realized 
Santa Claus is a real jerk in that movie. How so? All right, so Rudolph comes to the reindeer games, and his dad doesn't want his son to be labeled as a freak, so he puts, like, a rubber cap on his red nose. (laughs) And Rudolph goes down to the reindeer games, and he just is awesome at it. He's, like, excelling. He's he's beating up Donner, Prancher, Vixen, Blitzen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, all of them. He's beating them all up, and Santa's like, Ho, 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 Rudolph. You're just the best reindeer I ever did see. And then, you know, Clarice comes over there and gives him a little smooch, and he gets all excited about that, and then he, he just starts flying. And they're like, holy cow, this this reindeer can fly too without any flying lessons. This dude is awesome. And then something happens where his little rubber cap goes popping off his nose, and Santa goes, oh, look at that garish, freakish nose, you freak. <laughs> Hey, times were hard back in the I can't have a freakish, reddish-nosed mutant on my sleigh team. You freak. You you freak. Go. Go to the wilderness. <laughs> go to the Arctic tundra. And so, yeah, Santa just, like, rejected Rudolph because his nose was red. Like, it wasn't like he had, like, six legs or three extra eyes. His, his nose was red, and it glue, and it glowed. Or shined up. It was luminescent. If if my son or my next child is born with a luminescent nose, I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, shove it back in. It's a freak. Maybe, uh, maybe Santa didn't deliver toys to like handicapped children back then. He was just like, nah, you're a freak. I'm not. <laughs> exactly. Santa, I have polio. Get off my lap. Ugh, gross. <laughs> you nasty. Sure. Iron lung off of me. And not only that, he only accepts Rudolph's differences when Rudolph's differences are convenient for him. That's true. But you're supposed to see it as a change of heart. But secretly, he's just doing it for personal gain. Santa is a bigot and a racist. (laughs) And not only that, but he... Remember... Remember the elf that wanted to be a dentist? Santa was just like, "Yeah, no, you indentured servant, you make my toys." But I, I'd rather make some, some, you know, fix some teeth. I, I, I didn't choose this, Santa. This is just abject slavery. No, I'm not listening. La 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 la. Santa is a bigot. Maybe. This was a political statement at the time, so I just looked up Martin Luther King. But King what, was assassinated. What in is the political so, statement? Well, so if, if that he is people in of other so races this would have been like the heat. This, this would have been like the heat of the civil rights movement, and it's sending the message that people that, that are different might are be, to be valued dude, when they're useful in, for when they're useful to you. Otherwise, <laughs> no, no, no. maybe Santa is actually like portrayed here poorly because like people in authority and people that you might like look up to look down on other, you know, look down on people that are different, but you can't do that. So even when Santa's in the wrong, you have to accept people with differences. All I know is the I message that I got from that movie watching it as a nearly 31-year-old man was that people are that are different than you should be feared unless they're useful to you. <laughs> that you should do everything in your power to cover up your differences. And God forbid <laughs> if your rubber nose pops off, because you will be ostracized. 
I think <laughs> I your think own, the message. Your own father will reject you. A movie is pretty messed up when you watch it with uh, modern eyes. I mean, I'm no Santa. Beef. Santa can be deceived too. He's a fallible human being like the rest of us, I suppose. You or ever he's think? Some kind of an alien. Oh wait, I've read to tell people where Scott is at. Um, Scott walked out of his house last night and saw a man dressed as Santa on his roof and startled the man on his roof, who then fell down and died in the impact. And then his body dissolved and leaving his clothes behind. And then for some reason, Scott decided to put the pants on. And as he did, he reached his pocket and realized there's a little card that said, hey, you're Santa now. So Scott's Santa, and that's why he can't be here with us. Hmm. I hope you can find my house. And that was uh, a recap of the movie starring Tim Allen, The Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> so Santa's a bigot. Another problem I had right after Rudolph, <laughs> right after Rudolph came on, Frosty Snowman came on. I've got a problem with this movie. Uh, mostly because, well, Frosty encourages these children to commit a, uh, well, Frosty himself commits a series of aggressively worse, or progressively worse, I'm trying to say, uh, crimes. <laughs> Over the course of this movie making the children accomplices in his crime spree. And the children aren't too innocent either because they are... Uh, well, let's just start at the beginning, right? You got the evil magician and his rabbit, right? And he buys a magic hat. It's all great, but the magic hat doesn't work, and so he throws it away. Does a possession stop being your possession if it hits a garbage can? Because I don't agree. If you... Uh, throw away uh, like a Walmart bag that you think is filled with trash, but then later find out that your wedding ring's in there. I still think that wedding ring belongs to you, right? So he throws away his magic hat, thinking that uh, thinking that's not magic. And then the kids find it, put it on the snowman, brings the snowman to life. All right, first of all, snowman has no rights. He's made out of snow. He doesn't have rights. That's stupid. I, I, there's not even a Supreme Court case I can I can go to to bring up because, well... Snowman don't have rights. Sorry. So can you murder a snowman? No, you can't. You can't murder a snowman because a snowman doesn't have rights. You can kill a snowman. Sure. But that's not murder. You're not going to go to jail for that long for killing a snowman. What, what are you going to do? What are they going to do? A homicide against water? <laughs> you could argue that he was still there, even though he had melted. I mean, he, he says in his own song that he's going to be back again someday. So even if he dies... He doesn't stop existing, so how do I murder him? Anyways. It's true. If you throw away something and then immediately find out that it's valuable, do you not have a right to go back and claim your property? I don't know. See, I don't think the wedding ring applies because it has to be the, the direct object. You have to have knowledge of throwing away the direct object. Okay, fine. Let's say that you have, a, you have a painting on your wall. And you're like, uh -huh. the painting's ugly. I'm going to throw it away. Now, the second it hits the trash, you're still, like, ten feet away from it. Someone goes, hey, that painting is actually a lost Picasso. Do you not have the right well, to go back and get that painting? If the person said that, they'd be an idiot. <laughs> and not just take it home for themselves. Uh, but if the trash man comes and picks up your trash, even though you, like, took it out ten minutes ago, and they're like, oh, there's something valuable in here. I don't know that you have a legal right to but we're not talking. I, no, I agree. I think once it crosses the threshold of the garbage man, 
It is no longer your property. But as long as you're within eyesight of the garbage can, I think you can argue that it remains your property. Like, if he left and then came back, null and void. You left it behind. But he never left the area. So, yeah. Like I was saying, I think there's a, there's an invisible line. Garbage man comes. It's no longer your property. But even then, they'll let you go to the dump and dig through the garbage to try to find something you threw away. Like, Well, here on Quora.com, we have a question. If I throw something into the garbage, is it legally not my possession any longer? What uh, this guy's from Austria. He says, our civil code, number 386... So it basically says that if you don't want to own something anymore, you can simply relinquish your ownership. But if the situation is not clear, the law presumes that you didn't want to. Yeah, but would if, would putting something in the trash constitute as not wanting possession? The local authorities will say that it is your responsibility. We have had cases where garbage illegally dumped was traced back to the owners and they were fined. Yeah, that's not the same situation. You know what? I just noticed something. Uh, first of all, the hat, yes, he thought it was garbage, but he didn't actually throw it away. The rabbit that lived in the hat jumped off uh, the magician's head and then jumped onto Frosty's head. So the rabbit was actually a thief, uh, directly a thief. And just because Frosty came to life, it's inconsequential. The hat still belongs to the magician. Well, you can't prosecute a rabbit, so. No, but you can prosecute all these kids. Who are becoming accomplices to theft. <laughs> they don't know that it's stolen, right? Yeah, they watch the rabbit bounce onto Frosty's head. They watch oh, yeah, the, the, try the magician try to chase after him. To, uh, okay, so... So they just became... question, like, if somebody... If, like, if, if you're an evil, psychopathic serial killer, and um, you have a gun, and some kids steal it from you because they don't want you to shoot their parents, like, is that stealing? I mean, that might not be a, exactly equivalent. No. I'm saying is if my hat blew off my head and some kid took it and put it onto a snowman, whether or not the snowman becomes the li- or comes to life or not is a moot point. If my hat blows off my head and then a kid catches it in the air and puts it on a snowman, do I not have a right to go and get my hat back? So that's what happened? He didn't throw it away? No, the rabbit jumped off his head. Um... Maybe the better question is, would you? Yeah, I'd go get my if, hat. I like my hat. If, like, somebody had a magic hat that brought your favorite toy to life. First of all, let's talk it- about the biggest law that Frosty breaks right away. The law of nature. He's an abomination that needs to be stopped. <laughs> These kids are playing God. They're creating life. <laughs> they didn't create it. It just happened. It was magic. Uh, Christmas magic. All right, here we go again. All right, so first of all, it's pretty, pretty shut and dry case whether or not we're not talking about the morality of taking Frosty's life away by taking the hat back, but we can argue, uh, I think, that the magician had his property stolen. Now, we move on to the fact that they're following Frosty through the town, and uh, he's not stopping for anything, meaning he's jaywalking left and right, and he only pauses a moment when he hears... The policeman holler, stop. Now, here, this cop, if you even want to call him that, is two things. Either on the take from Frosty to just turn the other way when Frosty does things. I mean, he, he has him dead to rights on jaywalking. All right, he just walks through an intersection. That's why the cop stops him. 
He either is on the take from Frosty, or he is the most incompetent lawman in the history of incompetent lawmen. Because he ignores so many things here. One, he ignores the fact that an abomination against the laws of, of humanity, a snowman, is just walking around up to him. First of all, at least take him into custody for questioning. This is a walking snowman. We need to study this. Two. He thought he was just a guy dressed up. Two, he lets him go for jaywalking. He doesn't question the fact that these children are being led through the town by a snowman brought to life who has no regards for traffic safety. So he's endangering these children by making them walk around in busy streets and jaywalking. This is like small town Christmas town. I mean, this could be anybody. Dressed up as a snowman, kids following them. I mean, what would you expect if somebody was dressed up as a snowman? Grown adults to follow them? What kind of cop is going to let a pile of snow just look at him and go, happy birthday, and just let him off the hook? (laughs) That's disrespectful. (laughs) At the very least, have respect for our boys in blue. All right? And then Frosty gets all these kids onto a train to the North Pole. Okay, first of all, you can't just hop onto a train. That's illegal. It's it's trespassing on the train's property, number one. Number two, he is kidnapping these children. Even Karen says in the in the show, I don't mind my mom. I don't think my mom will mind me going to the North Pole as long as I'm home for supper. So Karen's an idiot. Karen's the one that says that little blonde girl, main main blonde girl. She's a moron, dumb, dumb as a box of rocks. She's willingly being kidnapped by this frozen demon man. Frosty knows that they're going on a trip on this train, a very far trip to a different country. He's not just crossing state lines in the company of minors, vis-a-vis Karen, but he is willingly doing this. You can't even say that it was a mistake. He knew that the North Pole was far away. Just because Karen's an idiot and doesn't know to run from stranger danger, are you telling me that if Ed and Lorraine Warren came across Frosty the Snowman, they wouldn't be locking that hat up in their special room? That thing is demonic. (laughs) He has a... uh... Uh, a plea of ignorance that he could probably pull off. I'm sorry. A plea of ignorance says, oh, this kid wanted to ride down to the, the local local soda fountain for a root beer float. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that you just look at and you're like, ah, the intentions I'm are not, innocent. I'm not. I'm not. You I'm know, not. I'm not. I'm take not my kids to the I'm North Pole. It's do fine. That. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, Do you think Joseph would go to the North Pole if a snowman invited him? Absolutely. I think Joseph would go anywhere if a stranger had a piece of candy. (laughs) That's safe. All right. Next crime. Karen is freezing to death in a refrigerator car on the way to the North Pole. She is shivering, entering into the early stages of prehypothermia. Next charge against Frosty, child endangerment. Yeah, you can. are you going to plead ignorance with the snowman going, Huh, I never thought that this warm-blooded human girl probably shouldn't be in a freezer for 12 hours. Well, he doesn't know that because he's born today. Right? Happy he, birthday! He specifically states his innocence. I do not. I mean, yeah, you're, he's probably going to go to an insane asylum instead of the maximum security prison that he needs to go to. He's probably <laughs> going to plead that he is not mentally competent. 
to stand trial. I get that. I accept that. But why is he not being brought up on charges of child endangerment? Why are we letting this snowman loose in our neighborhoods, taking our kids on cross-country trips to, 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 to the North Pole in refrigerated train cars? Magic. Christmas and magic pretty much excuses everything. No, I'm not. I'm still, I'm not even done. Number two. Another thing we could charge him with? Animal endangerment. All right? That, that rabbit's along for the ride. He's freezing to death, too. So if you don't want to go with the little girl like PETA, let's let's get PETA on the phone. Be like, hey, this rabbit's been freezing in this cart. They're going to care. They're going to press some charges. Next crime, trespassing. He gets out of the train car. He sees the North Pole's greenhouse. You know, the famous North Pole's greenhouse. <laughs> just poinsettias and mistletoe as far as the eye can see. He just breaks right into it. It's closed. He knows it's closed. It's Christmas Eve. Even even uh, uh, a sentient talking demonic snowman that was born a few hours ago knows that it's Christmas Eve because that's why he's going to go see Santa. And yet he just walks straight straight into that greenhouse, trespassing. Boom. Book him, Dano. Don't even get me started on the fact that he could also be charged for public nudity and lewd behavior. He has, does not have a stitch of clothing on that entire movie save for the hat. Are you telling me that if you saw an obese man leading a group of children down the street with only a hat and a broomstick in his hand, that you'd be all right with that? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, if this snowman wants to walk like a snow, walk like a man, talk like a man, think like a man, he is going to be subjected to the laws of man. You know, though, at Christmas time, I think a lot of things go under the radar that otherwise wouldn't. Like, then, you see a lot of weird stuff going on, and you're just like, it's Christmas. That's just what happens. Then Frosty also becomes a willing participant in blackmail. Santa comes on the scene. The magician still wants to get his rightful property. And he's like, hey, magician, just give that magical hat to Frosty. But, but it's mine. I, I, I own this. It's my property. No. No, you're going to give it to him. Want to know why? Because if you don't, bad things are going to happen. Might find a little coal in your stocking. If you catch my drift. Might not get that magic set you've been looking for. Bad things might happen if you don't give Frosty your hat. That is blackmail. That's cut and dry blackmail. Give up your hard-earned property or else bad things are going to happen. That is the protection racket the mob ran in New York for so many years. Yeah, I'd hate, I'd hate for your presence to go out the window here. Hate for a bunch of coal to fall and find its way into this nice house of yours. Why don't you just give us the hat? Then, not only is Santa guilty of blackmail, but Santa is also guilty of child endangerment because at the end of the movie, he leaves Karen on the roof of a house in the middle of the night, in the winter, with snow everywhere. How are you just going to leave a child on the roof of a house? What's she's she gonna, fine. What, no, no, what's going to happen is people are going to find Karen's mangled body at the foot of that house because she slipped, and then they're going to have to rush to the ER and hope that they can get her core body temperature back up because she spent the entire evening in the freezing cold. The real question is, does anyone care? Because it's Karen. For does anyone want this Karen to grow into a mature Karen so... and then have a short haircut and boss people around? This was I don't so... think anyone cares. No, no, Karen died before Karen became a bad thing. You can't, you can't you can't blame a child for their name. Don't blame a baby Karen for the sins of the mama Karens. I don't know. I think this was the beginning of the Karen. It, they're, they're, Frosty knew that there needed to be a Karen genocide. 
and he was trying to implement it here and teach everybody the same, but so, everyone's criticizing Frosty. Let's make a rundown here world. of the crimes that Frosty committed that we are allowing our children to watch every year. Number one, he at least committed petty theft. He knew the hat wasn't his, and yet he wasn't willing to give up the property. Now, I'm willing to argue that a top hat that can bring inanimate objects to life is worth thousands upon thousands, if not millions of dollars. So really, we could probably bump that that charge up to grand larceny. Number two, trespassing on railroad grounds. If this took place in Kentucky, he just broke Kentucky Revised Stat 277.350. It shall be unlawful for any person without the consent of the railroad to go upon a track property or right-of-way of the railroad other than the pass over the track property or right-of-way at a public or private crossing, or to willfully ride, drive, or lead any animal or otherwise contrive for any animal to go over the track property or right-of-way of the private crossing. The provisions of this section shall not apply to any section of the road track that has been legally abandoned, yada, yada, yada. Any person violating shall be guilty of criminal trespass in the second degree. Now, now, what is criminal trespassing to the second degree? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Every, yeah, but everyone, see, this is like a law that's not really a law. Everyone walks over the tracks. They don't, they don't, charge people for walking yeah, over but not everyone public not everyone brings a child onto a train to lead them onto a trip to the north pole this is a class b misdemeanor okay <laughs> All right, I feel like is... all these rules have exceptions in the extraordinary and frosty gets all of those exceptions applied to him. All right. This is... No, that, but, but kidnapping. Kidnapping. I'm not going to look it up because someone's going to be watching my, my Google search going, <laughs> why in the world is he looking up trespassing on the railroad lines and then kidnapping someone via railroad? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I know, I know your game, Uncle Sam. You're not going to get me that easy. All right. But, but I mean, it, it is kidnapping. He straight up kidnaps that young girl. It is child endangerment. It is trespassing. Again, breaking into a private business. It is participating in extortion. It is child endangerment part two, leaving her on the roof. And it still is grand larceny. I'm sorry. Throw the book at Frosty. This is something we're going to show our kids. This criminal. Not, not in my house. Not in my house. The magical hat is going to move to someplace else, and Frosty's just going to reappear out of jail. So, what's the point? No, here's the point: we don't we don't send this this monster to jail where he can melt. I'm saying we toss him in a chafing dish. A chafing dish? What is a chafing? Dish? Chafing dish is one of those pans that keep food hot on like catered buffets. We put Frosty in a chafing dish. Pop a couple sternos down there. Make sure we got a good stockpile of the sterno. For when one sterno goes low, pop another one down there. And we keep going until that kidnapping grand larcenous snowman just evaporates into vapor. Say what you want. He's not going to be able to keep all them molecules straight up in the up in the atmosphere. He may still be up there, <laughs> but that will be a living nightmare. Just a bunch of water molecules floating around saying happy birthday to one another. He'll never be able to reassemble himself. I mean, he made, he materialized out of nothing earlier in the movie, so I feel like this is a fatal flaw in this plan. Fine, 
here's feel like you just option need to freeze two. his molecules we melt him into an ice cube. No, that's too easy. That's his natural keep state. Keep him locked in there. His natural state is frozen <laughs> water. I'm not doing that. Let's... I got this. I know what we do to Frosty, his punishment. We melt him down. One. Two. We put him in a glass jar. The water. Three. We put a beta fish and a plant in that glass jar. So now Frosty has to deal with the fact that he has a gross fish just swimming around and pooping. And he doesn't have any interaction with the outside world because you don't have to do anything with a beta fish. The beta fish just eat the algae the plants create. So in conclusion, Santa, you're going away for a long time for hate crimes. Frosty, you're going away because you are a monster. It's a, it's a rough Christmas. Let's not forget oh, the fact man. that Santa is also watching us when we're sleeping. And knowing when we're awake. This man is a, a, a voyeuristic pedophile. So what we've concluded from this is that the Frost. animated Grinch is bad. Until the end, and he's good. Or the animated Grinch is bad. Uh, the Jim Carrey Grinch is good. For the Grinch story to make any sense, you have to have a totally morally reprehensible Grinch in the beginning that finds morality through outside actions. We've discussed that aliens quite possibly exist, and if they do, then it does not negate anything in the Bible because God doesn't tell us things that we don't need or we're not privy to as far as the salvation story and our salvation is concerned. Um, Calvin's tulip is ridiculous and only makes sense if you're a who. Dr. Fauci, who I'm just convinced is making up coronavirus as he goes, does not understand that there is a whole bunch of le or different letters between Delta, Lambda, or Lambda, and Omicron. Frosty the Snowman is a grand larcenist kidnapper, child endangerer, and Santa is a hate-mongering voyeuristic pedophile. I feel like we've come to a lot of important conclusions about life and living in the universe today. This is probably one of my favorite episodes we've done. <laughs> For Rotten or Righteous, I'm Zach Geiler, Esquire, Attorney at Law. Fairy Tales, watch your back, because I'm coming <laughs> to get you. I am uh, Joseph Smith, the justifier of all criminal activity in children's shows. Right. Uh, before we go, this guy goes to a costume party with a girl on his back. And the host goes, what are you supposed to be? And the guy goes, I'm a snail. And he goes, the host is like, but you got a girl on your back. And the guy goes, yeah, that's Michelle. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Good night, everybody. All <laughs> uh, uh, hail the divine donkey. All hail. Until next time. Yeehaw, yeehaw, yeehaw. Is that the chant? You know, if I, like The Sixth Sense, spoiler alert if you haven't seen The Sixth Sense, it's an almost 30-year-old movie. Go out and watch it. Um, I could watch The Sixth Sense for the first time and know that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Right? 
I mean, sure, I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay. I watched Rudolph. The Weed Eater Man has uh, come outside. I mean, I just call it taking my pants off at the end of a hard day. If you want to call it the Weed Eater Man, that's up to you. <laughs> Speaking of which, I don't wear pants in my house because it's my house. Like second I walk you don't in, wear pants. No, second I walk in, boom, pants are gone. And you, is that like you walk around in your boxers? Is that like a real thing? Or yeah, yeah, totally. Like last year for Thanksgiving when we were having COVID Thanksgiving, I cooked that whole meal in my boxers, and it was wonderful. <laughs> um. Anyways, but there is a flaw to that because my son who is four, can still be adorable in public and just, you know, underpants or, or a pull-up or what have you. Can open doors now and run around outside. I had to chase my son, who just ran out of the house the other day, in my boxer briefs, just praying someone from the congregation didn't come and drive past. <laughs> Because these were these weren't my good. What's he just like open the door and take off like he's like some yeah. animal? He's just like <laughs> like runs for the runs for the the farm across the way. He, just he like, likes to take the dogs out and go to the bathroom with them. <laughs> I mean, you can't really fault him, I suppose, because that's like a pretty natural thing to do. But uh, can't say I've heard that one before. Yeah, so I need to rethink my no pants stance. Scott wasn't here to give us the Bible verses that we needed, though, to... to uh... I truly do not think that any Bible verses would have helped or hindered anything that we have said. Why just act that? Daddy, my daddy. <laughs> <laughs>